think well on it, or Reflections on the Great Truths of the Christian Religion for Every Day of the Month, by Bishop Richard Challoner. Twenty-ninth day. Our Savior carries his cross and is nailed to it. Consider first how the malice of the Jews, no way relenting at the sight of the Lamb of God, bleeding for the sins of the world, but continuing still in a tumultuous manner to demand that he might be crucified. Pilate at last yields to their importunity, and against his own conscience, sentences our Savior to the death of the cross. Ah, Christians, has it never been your misfortune by the like cowardice to condemn your Savior and his doctrine, and basely to renounce in the practice of your lives the maxims of the gospel, for fear of what the world will say? Has not too often a much weaker temptation than the fear of losing Caesar's friendship induced you to crucify again the Son of God? Be confounded and repent. Consider, secondly, that this sentence of death, how unjust soever from Pilate, yet as being most just from his eternal Father and necessary for our salvation, was received with perfect submission, charity, and silence by our blessed Redeemer, who thereupon was immediately stripped again of his purple garments, clad with his own clothes, a heavy cross of the length and size proportional to the bearing of a man, laid on his wounded shoulders, and two thieves or highway robbers appointed to be his associates, and to be executed with him to verify the prophecy with the wicked he was reputed. Isaiah 53. Come now, devout souls, and take a view of our Lord in this his last progress or procession. A crier leads the way, publishing aloud the pretended crimes and blasphemies of this never-heard-of malefactor. Then follow the soldiers and executioners with ropes, hammers, nails, etc., after whom goeth, or rather creepeth along, our high priest, and victim, all bruised and bloody, with a thief on each hand and a cross on his shoulders, dragging it forward step by step, followed and surrounded on all sides by the priests and the scribes, and the whole mob of people cursing and reviling and scoffing at him, whilst the cruel executioners are hastening him forward with their kicks and blows. Ah, Christians, now at least take pity on your Savior's sufferings, and add not to his load by your sins. Consider thirdly how our blessed Lord, having for some time with unspeakable labor and torment, carried his cross through the streets, at last falls down under its weight, unable to carry it any further. Wonder not, my soul, at this, since besides the load of the cross oppressing his wearied body, wounded in every part and exhausted with the loss of so much blood, his heavenly Father has laid upon his soldiers another more insupportable weight, viz., that of the sins of the whole world. Ah, Christians, it is under this intolerable burden that our Savior faints and falls down, nor is he any way eased of this merciless load by Simon the Cyrene, who was compelled to take up the cross but bore no part of the weight of our iniquities, all of which the Heavenly Father laid upon his beloved Son to be canceled by his blood and death, O infinite goodness of the Father, O infinite charity of the Son, to do and suffer so much for wretched man. O my poor soul, see thou never more be ungrateful to so loving a God. Consider fourthly how our Savior, being now arrived at Mount Calvary, quite wearied and spent, the ministers of hell still persecute him with unwearied cruelty, and whereas it was the custom to give the criminals 
that were to die a strengthening draught of wine seasoned with myrrh, they contrived to mingle gall with the portion designed for him, after which they violently strip him of his clothes, which, by this time, clove fast again to his sores, opening his wounds afresh, and exposing him naked to shame and cold in the sight of an immense multitude. Draw nigh now, my soul, and see him again bleeding for the love of thee. Oh, see how, while the cross is preparing, he falls upon his knees and offers himself to his eternal father, a bleeding victim to appease his wrath and kindled by thy sins. Consider fifthly how the cross lying flat on the ground, they lay our dear Redeemer stretched out upon it, who like a meek lamb makes no resistance, and first drawing his right hand to the place designed to fix it on, they drive with their hammers a sharp, gross nail through the palm, forcing its way with incredible torment through the sinews, veins, muscles, and bones of which the hand is composed into the hard wood of the cross. In the meantime, the whole body, to favor the wound and the pierced sinews, was naturally drawn towards the right side, but was not long permitted to remain so, for immediately these cruel butchers, laying hold of his left arm and hand, violently drag him towards the opposite side in order to nail that hand also to the place designed for it. Then pulling down his legs, they fastened his sacred feet in like manner with nails to the wood, and all this with such violence that it is thought with the force of stretching and pulling, they very much strained his whole body and disjointed it in many parts, verifying the prediction of the royal prophet, they have dug my hands and feet, they have numbered all my bones. Psalm 21. Ah, Christians, if the contracting or piercing of a nerve or sinew, if the disjointing or displacing of a bone, though never so small, be so cruel a torture, what must we think of the torments which our Savior endured in his disjointed body? What must we think of what he suffered when his hands and feet, where so many sinews, muscles, veins, and bones all meet, were violently bored through with gross nails? Oh, let us never cease to admire, adore, and love his mercy.